All right, everybody, we're live. This is Richard Hart with Brent Nally. Brent Nally is a longevity enthusiast and probably some other stuff, but he can tell you about that. Go ahead, Brent. Hey, Richard. Thanks so much for having me here. I really appreciate it. And I am an, a longevity enthusiast, but I'm also an enthusiast about many other things, including crypto, all the work you're trying to do. And I think that longevity and cryptocurrency actually have a lot more similarities and things in common that we can kind of piggyback on in both communities that maybe some people aren't are not aware of that hopefully we can chat about sure so i mean uh the only relationship that i know of between longevity and crypto is that a lot of people that donate to the sense foundation and other longevity initiatives have crypto so vitalik donated a few million to the sense foundation which i think you know more about than i do I think he gave three million, and then I think he gave another five hundred thousand. So I think he's donated twice. Correct, and there's the Pineapple Fund as well, which is Ooh, anonymous okay. still, to my knowledge. Uh, so somebody. Do you know how much Pineapple crypto. gave? Somebody can fact check me, but it was a lot. I think okay. it was like fifty million, but I could be wrong. Well, they gave so fifty-five million to a bunch of people, but the question is, how much did they give to Sens? Right. I don't recall, but it was a lot, I thought. So somebody right. should, should check that. It's a million dollars uh, is the answer. So the pineapple, so Vitalik gave like 3.5 million and pineapple fund gave a million. And then I think there's a dude named Mike something that also donated. He's in Germany. What's his last name? Yeah. I don't recall his last name either. Yeah. So there's a Mike in Germany that's like a tech startup guy that also has donated. And that, I think he's the reason that they now have the SENS uh, like meetups, like the SENS conference every year. I think that he's the reason they have them in Germany now instead of Cambridge. <clears throat> um, well, I'll just Google it. Yeah, but essentially like the higher level, what I want to... Michael Grieve, he gave 10 million to SENS. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I interviewed Dr. Arbor de Grey in July of this year, I asked him, Hey, what's maybe one of the most exciting things or something that maybe people aren't aware of that's been changing longevity. And his answer was emphatically that Silicon Valley, serious, wealthy entrepreneurs are for the first time within the past two or three years, really starting to look at longevity science and actually starting to invest. So that's a general message that I want your audience and the whole world to be aware of, because they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't think that it was possible. <clears throat> like wealthy people who are intelligent don't typically just piss money away investing. They might piss it away gambling, private jets, lifestyle, but they don't typically just piss it away. Right. From my experience. It might, I mean, my position on this is very simple. Do you want to remain alive? Do you want to remain healthy? Okay. Well, if better science and better medicine exists when you start falling apart, then you'll be okay. And how does that science get created? By scientists. And how do they do their work? With funding and education. And so what you need, if you don't want to die and rot, and you know, every, every day that you're alive, there's a grim reaper coming and killing some of the people around you. So like my grandparents are totally dead. My dog's dead. Um, you know, looking at me, I'm not sure how long I'm going to be around, 
do you want to put up a fight while you can, while you're still able to stand? Or do you want to die with a whimper like a bitch and not even put in any effort and not even try? And a lot of the, a lot of the world decides to die like a bitch and doesn't put in any work, doesn't put in any effort, doesn't do any research, doesn't do any funding, doesn't do any outreach. And they just fucking die. And everyone that they have loved dies and their children die. And it just keeps going on and on and on. It doesn't need to be that way. You know, um, aging will be cured at some point. It's just a question of whether you're, you get to be alive when it occurs or not. And you know, when it gets cured, you're still going to die by accident because life is still dangerous. So statistically, if you don't change your habits, you'll die at about the age of 600. If aging was removed as a cause of death, um, which is, you know, it's not bad. So if you, if you think, you know, there's a lot of people that lived not a lot, but there's quite a few people that live to a hundred. And so how much better would the world be if the most productive, most intelligent, most useful humans were still around to still be kicking ass? You know, what if Einstein and Edison and Alexander Graham Bell and everyone else, Tesla was still alive and inventing today? Well, it's not much to ask for. Clams live 600 years. Lobsters live a few hundred years. Whales live a long time. Tortoises live, you know, 200 years. It's like trees live 10,000 years. There's a lot of living things that live a really long time and humans just aren't one of those things. And that's a tragedy for the world. So we need more science to be done. We need more research to be done. We need more human beings doing good and honorable things, healing the humans, which are the most valuable things in the universe. The only consciousness we're aware of exists in man. And if you like the idea of consciousness and life, everything on earth is going to be permanently extinct, permanently extinct. 99.9% of all things that have ever existed are permanently extinct right now because a meteor comes along every once in a while and wipes everything out. And that will happen again. There will be a catastrophic extinction level event on earth again. And the only way to prevent it and the only way to maintain life as you know it now is for the humans to solve that. We have to intercept the meteors and change their trajectory to miss us. We have to prevent global pandemics. We have to prevent nuclear holocaust. The humans here have to do these things. No one else is going to be able to do them. And so I see a world where everyone's putting their time into shit that doesn't matter. Cosmetics, F1 racing, even going to Mars. Yeah, it's fun. It sounds cool. We'll have interplanetary redundancy. So now I'll be more likely to die earlier and more painfully because everyone else wanted an insurance plan to be able to fuck off to some other planet. I would rather have a better chance of surviving and making it on my own at the cost of interplanetary redundancy, right? I, I would I would much rather have a lottery ticket of sticking around for a while than letting myself die and some other guy has an okay time on the red planet. Fuck that is my opinion. Um, <clears throat> I also, I disagree with the way Bill Gates runs his charity, even though it's amazing. I disagree with the way Elon Musk allocates his time, even though it's amazing. These are two of the, the best, most productive human beings that we have here on earth. And I just have a different value system than they do even though they're smarter, more productive, you know, um, I know I'm a bitch compared to those guys. It doesn't mean that, uh, their belief system superior. So my belief system is simply that not all human lives have the same value. I believe that people that I know and can interact with and maybe will meet in my life are of higher value than people that I can't speak to, won't ever meet, might not be related to, might not even like. So for me, every human life is not worth the same. You know, if you're a murderer, I don't think your life is worth as much if, as if you're a healer. So, 
Richard, I agree with pretty much everything you just stated there. And I'll just say that I'm even a bigger bitch than you are compared to Bill Gates, Elon Musk, the world. So um, I also disagree with Elon Musk or vast wealth and time. You know, I think they could, I think they could be doing it a lot more effectively. Can you hear me well, okay? Yeah, you just dropped out for a second, but you're back. So you left off saying that, you know, those guys are great, but they could be doing it better. Yeah, like, I, you know, I'm not willing to watch my family die so that, you know, 50 other people somewhere else that I'll never meet and never interact with have a better time. Fuck that. You know, I, I care about my family. I care about myself. I care about my loved ones. I care about people that I can talk to and interact with and work with and make the world a better place. And I believe in meritocracy. If you are a more useful, more functional, more productive person, you're worth more than a counterproductive loser who does harm, period. You know, like I don't, I don't understand why people, people have this fantasy that like equality exists, which one, it does not. Two rulers aren't even the same size. You're just bad at measuring. They're, they have different grains in the wood. They have different actual lengths. To know how long a meter really is, is extremely hard. You know, if you take a, even if you take a kilogram weight and lock it away in a vacuum sealed area, guarded by walls, it still gains mass every year. And you don't understand why you're like, well, how does this keep getting slightly heavier? And it's, it's the science question, like how that occurs. Is it, is it gamma rays or is it, you know, what, what is it that's making this change? So the, the fact that pe people think equality even exists, it's just not true. Even ideas themselves can't be equal because they occur at different times. So you're in a different state when you have two different of the same idea. Like, even if you say X equals X, you're different as you process that. So you're a different person as you process the first X and the second X. So, so like, and even if, even if equality did exist, it's bad. It's the opposite of synergy. So imagine a football team where you have 11 quarterbacks, it would suck because what, what works is uh, specialization where two things are different and then they synergize and get more done together. So we have different size cars. We have, you know, uh, sexual dimorphism where different animals have different traits. Girls have, uh, you know, different traits than guys. They're different shaped. Why? Because it's more useful. They can do things guys can't. Girls can breastfeed, guys can't. Girls can pop out kids, guys can't, you know? Um, so like, if, if, you, if you believe diversity is strength, then you must stop saying that everyone should be equal. Because what you're effectively saying is that everyone should be weak. Because if diversity is strength and you don't have any diversity, well, then you don't have any strength. You have less strength. But these people, they live, so many like feminists and social justice warriors don't realize they're making the world a worse place, advertising for sameness, when in fact, yes, diversity and meritocracy is actually power. And they're trying to destroy it. It's gross. <clears throat> Richard, can I tell a quick... Uh... Please feminist story. So I went to University of Kentucky, born and raised in Louisville, um, graduated in 2007. In 2005, as just part of my degree, um, I remember with my counselor put together this class for me. I didn't put it together for me, but I joined this class called Women, Men, and Society. And I guess I was so green or whatever, young and naive at the time. I didn't even understand what it was till I showed up the first day. And of course it was a feminist class. It was taught by a gentleman, probably in his mid forties at the time, shaved head, jacked, but walked around super, super feminine. Huh. And 
from the very beginning, that was my real first introduction into the philosophical ideas and history of feminism in that class. It was about 70 people. And from the very beginning, I was just, I just said, well, this is really bad branding and marketing. It should be called equalist. That's what they say that they want. The feminist movement say they want equality, but they call themselves fem feminists, which really, when they brand it that way, it's kind of right. like, and then when you start listening to the most extreme of them, they don't just want equality. They want superiority. better. Right. right. And then yeah. they feel all the superiority and then they want kind but of not like through, reparations. Right. But not through earning it by complaining right. for it. <laughs> Correct. It's like... And I just, and the funny, so I'll, I'll end the story with this, Richard. This is kind of the punchline this, in a sense. When I said this to this teacher, he looked at me with this look of bewilderment and also kind of like a light bulb went off. He'd been studying this stuff for 20 years and nobody had ever like explained it to him in the way that I did. And it was just, yeah. I'm not some genius. I'm just saying like from the very beginning, I'm like, well, you guys just have bad branding. You should call yourselves equalists, which is of course, isn't good as you already explained. Well, it's but... better than superiorists, right? Like it's so, <clears throat> yeah, you can, it is rare that you can change people, but it does happen. So I've, I've through my through the limited work that I've done with my SciVive book, which isn't published, you can just download it for free now. And through the videos I've done, the self-help videos that I did maybe two years ago, maybe two and a half years ago now, um, I changed which lives. I've, started, I've watched, by the way, all of them, and they're fantastic. Nice. I recommend them. Thanks, man. Yeah, those videos where I don't even blink because I'm new to the, the camera, they're, they saved lives. They got people to stop wasting their lives gaming on bad games stop playing poker, stop, uh, you know, doing so many bad things in their lives. And I, because they didn't go viral, I kind of like gave up on it and, and didn't keep doing it. But then as the years go by, you get messages from people that you find out that you've touched and you're like, Oh, you know, I didn't know that it was really making a difference, but it really is actually making a difference. Not at the scale I'd like, but you know, if you save or improve, you know, 50 people's lives, isn't that pretty good? I mean, how many lives do you need to save until you're like, yeah, that was worth it. I mean, maybe one is enough, right? If you could really make a difference in one person's life, I think you should feel pretty great about that. So <clears throat> I definitely is Richard. And those videos are great. I watched them all and I didn't necessarily need that advice personally uh, for most of it. Um, cause I kind of already understood those things, which yeah. is probably why, you know, I'm here talking with you, yeah. but there were a few moments in there I was like, damn, the poker one for me. I already knew poker was a zero-sum game. And I play, you know, I, I've played some at points in my life. I played in the World Series of Poker in 2018. Huh. And the, right. the Colossus, not the main event, the Colossus. Right. Um, and I've always done pretty well in poker. But the reason I haven't played more is because I've been busy doing, like, important shit. And, right. uh in any event, those are great videos. I highly recommend people check them out. And just kind of starting focusing on YouTube a little bit more this year on my own channel, I have start to find, it's actually, I'll shout out Jason. He's the individual who watched both of our channels and, and put you know, us in touch. I knew who you were, but put the seedling in me actually you know, doing a, a collaboration video with you. So thank you, right. Jason. And you know, the feedback him, him, that Jason and some other folks have given me man, that's fuel. Cause like nobody's paying me shit for this. I don't turn on ads in my videos, even though I should, I'm doing this shit. Cause I think it's really important yeah, and I want yeah. people to understand this and the feedback guys, the feedback that you get, um, for 
positively influencing lives. That is what personally drives me. Yeah, it helps a lot. It really helps a lot because, you know, particularly with longevity research, no one understands it to the point that they actually hate it. And so if you, if you actually want to help longevity research, you should never mention that you're trying to help longevity research is what I've discovered. So I, I think, I think the best path for getting people to do medical research is to advertise it in all the ways that they find acceptable, which is save the kids, you know, let's fight cancer. You, you know, 40% of people die of cancer, 40% of people die of heart disease. That means you're 80% likely to die of one of those without knowing your, your family history. So, you know, do you want to save your kids that are going to die of these things? Do you like that that happened to everyone in your family tree before you? Well, do you want it to happen to yourself? Okay, so let's work on those things. I think you can get more money and more funding for nearly anything. Dental research would probably get more funding than longevity because people don't understand how it works. They think longevity research is where you take an old person and you keep them old for longer. It's not how it works. How it works is you just don't get old people. People just stay young but they don't understand that it's called the Tithonus error. So your option is, do you want to do the hard job and do outreach explaining to them why longevity is actually cool? And then they get stuck having to have that same conversation with everyone they talk to. I don't want to be old forever. That shit. Yeah. And it sucks. It just really is clunky and it really sucks. So what if you could get the same revenue, more revenue and more funding by calling it cancer research and heart disease research because in effect the stuff that you're doing will cure those things it's just a different pathway to do it you're you're attacking the pathology earlier instead of later so you're not doing morbidity compression where you'll get all fucked up and then we just reduce the time from fucked up to dead which is what we do now so we've had increases in life expectancy but we've had no increase in lifespan lifespan is still max 122 Life expectancy has gone higher, but we haven't moved that 122 a fucking inch. So we're just compressing morbidity. It sucks. What we need to do is engineering that can move that 122, regenerative medicine, escape longevity escape velocity, where we can cure a year of aging every year. That's what we need to do. And in order to do that, we can't, we can't keep working on this geriatrics bullshit where we wait until you're wrecked and then try and help you with your wreckedness. We just need to make you not wrecked to start with. So we're just shifting the focus of the of the medical interventions to a, a phase before the problems show up instead of after the problems show up for the most part. So like senolytics is kind of great, but it does to some degree wait until you're fucked up a little bit, but it's still probably the best we've got for longevity tech now. I guess the best longevity tech that we have now is stop eating like an asshole, take uh, metformin and some senolytic shit. And that's it, I think. I think there's some other stuff um, right. as well that's really exciting. We can chat about that. Like now. the MNM stuff. Not even so. Not at the molecular level. Like um, so, MNM would be a mole, you know molecular level stuff. I interviewed Dr. Michael Fossil last month. Uh, he has a company called Telesite, and then I've interviewed Liz Parrish in July. And then I've also interviewed Bill Andrews a couple of times. I'm glad she hasn't died of cancer yet. That's nice. Yeah, so they're they're all interested in telomerase gene therapy, and they're all, actually they're all interested. That. Okay, I yeah, we know. can. I, I wouldn't think that you would be because 
Aubrey de Grey has, you know, spoken I, against. I it. just take I take Aubrey's position on it. You're like the reason we have these telomeres is is a, a check against cancer. If some cell decides to keep replicating over and over again, that would kill you. It runs out of telomere space to do that, and then it puts a limit on its ability to fuck you up. So, if you do things like extending telomeres, then in theory you should have more cancer problems. And so, like, I I, I don't. I think most of the problems that people are having, if, if cancer and heart diseases kills 80% of people, well, how much of that is caused by shortening telomeres? Not much. Like your seven keto cholesterol, artery clogging bullshit from heart attacks, that ain't got fuck all, nothing to do with telomeres. So it's not gonna affect heart disease probably at all. And then, and then you've got cancer. Well, it seems like making the telomeres longer makes cancer worse not better. So I, like for me, it just seems like well, something that, that that's that part. That's definitely not true. Um, all right. making, making telomeres. So let me just back up for just a moment. Uh -huh. Um, cause it, what we're talking about, Richard is actually a really, really complex thing that okay. within the longevity community, there's a lot of discussion. Argument I think we should just skip it then because it would suck our whole <laughs> conversations time up and we okay. wouldn't come to a conclusion. That's a fair yeah. point. Let me just, yeah. let me just end on this point then. Um, sure. Liz Parrish did this a little over four years ago, her telomerase gene therapy. She also did a myostatin inhibitor gene therapy and she hasn't got cancer yet. So, so, that, so like myostatin so, is a regulator that your body has to prevent your muscles from getting too big or something right. along that line. So if you find kids that have a mutation, which kind of knocks out their myostatin, mm -hmm. then they're jacked as fuck. They're huge, just gigantic, strong as fuck people. Right. Not not size wise, but muscle wise. Their muscles are gigantic. They're not any taller than anyone else, but their muscles are fucking huge on the frame that they have. So she did that. What exactly? Like, how is Liz Parrish, in theory, if that shit even got adopted into some large percentage of her cells, which I'm not sure it would, because a lot of your cells that you just can't get to from your bloodstream, right? So like. But maybe your muscles surely are one of the ones that can get there. So maybe there's a high percentage of your body that has been changed through that gene therapy, which I'd be curious about. Like I'd, be, I'd like to poke holes in random spots in her and see really what type of epigenetic effect that that gene therapy got. Not sure how happy she'd be about it, but because I think you'd have to tissue, you have to culture the tissue. Like you got to cut parts out. You can't just take blood. Um, <clears throat> how is her being stronger helping her fucking life? The only reason it helps old people is because they don't fall and break their hips in the shower. She ain't, she's not old enough to fall and break her fucking hip. So how is having a higher muscle density or higher muscle mass at her age helping her at all? I don't think it is. And she could have just lifted fucking weights if that's what she wanted. So in my opinion, that just was a shitload of extra risk for her for no really good fucking reason. Like if you want extra muscle mass, we have other ways to do that now that, that don't involve fucking gene therapy. <clears throat> so those are all, you know, pretty good points. I'll, I'll try and share. I do have some perspective on that. So unless it was just a rhetorical question, I can go ahead. Share. Yeah. Talk. So the, the myostatin inhibitor that gene therapy that she did is separate from the telomerase gene therapy, even yep. though she did them at the same time, she has gotten criticism from people because they want to see them isolated. But yep. the fact of the matter is that we're having this conversation right now over four years after she did that because there's not anybody doing Yeah, there's marketing shit. value in it, sure. Right. And and yeah. she, while she had all these scientists together and went down to Columbia, uh, South America to do this, 
she wanted to get them both done. And the reason that she did the myostatin inhibitor, which is also known as folostatin, is to prevent something called sarcopenia, which is what you alluded to. It's the actual scientific term for people getting old and frail, their muscles and bones getting old and frail. And many, many years you know, from where she was, she was chronologically 44 years old at the time in 2015. So she was not at risk for getting sarcopenia, but what she would, the reason she did that is because she wants to prove that the gene therapy actually worked, you know, and her muscle mass has improved from MRIs before and after. That doesn't prove anything. She's just one person, but she says she hasn't been working out as much. So it, it is, makes you scratch your head and think that it probably is working. But as you also spoke to earlier, Richard, nobody, including Liz Parrish, knows for sure, you know, what the telomerase gene therapy and myostatin uh, inhibitor gene therapy, actually, if it did take effect in some of her cells, all of them, to what extent, you know, those are still unknowns right now. And we need way more research yeah. to know them. But getting back to the myostatin inhibitor, the reason she did that is to just see if maybe she can prevent sarcopenia decades from now from this one therapy she did in her 40s. Hey, I lift weights. I want bigger muscles. You know, right. I'm just not willing to risk my life for it. So it's like, fuck it. Yeah, no, she's gotten a lot of criticism for what she did um, and, ri and risking her life. And I think the only thing that will truly answer that will be time to see how she continues to develop. And there's a chance. I mean, Liz is a friend of mine now. I mean, I've developed a relationship with her. I saw her again at Radfest. I've interviewed her. But first and foremost, I want people to know that I'm doing these interviews and what I'm my work is because I want to figure out the truth. And I won't jeopardize my ethics or morality or anything for this. If I find out that this was a bunch of BS and she didn't actually do it and I find that out, I'll let people know immediately. So, well, um, I mean, like, I, I, I don't, th I don't think anyone's questioning that she did it. I, I think everyone kind of questions whether it was had any effect or not. Right. I mean, I mean, look, I mean, if you want to be, if you want to be fucking evil about this, we need human trials on everything. We need right. more experimenting to be occurring. So fucking, if you if you want to make progress, shit needs to be tried. And so you can only do so much on the computer. You can only do so much in the fucking lab. You can only do so much in animals. At some point, you have to try this stuff on humans. Now, I'm not qualified to know like where where we are with that and what should be. Um, you know, tried on humans yet and what shouldn't be. So like, I, I'm not the right guy to ask about that, but I tell you what, if I heard that the Chinese people were going crazy doing experiments and stuff, I'd be like, yeah, yeah cool. Keep up with that. that hope, hope that works out. Right. Um, I don't know. They're kind of making it look bad. <laughs> like if you're, uh, <laughs> the Chinese are doing some interesting, interesting things over there. Uh, yes, they are. chimeras and all sorts of crazy shit. Right. Well, I mean, if you're an Uyghur and you're a Muslim, apparently they uh, they kidnap you and take your organs and shit. It's the rumor. So it's like, uh, it's about as bad as evil as you can fucking get right there. <clears throat> yeah, that, that's pretty low. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier, Richard, when you were talking about how so many different species live a lot longer than us, yeah. um, there is the zookeeper problem where, you know, records are tough to keep because we've only been keeping you know, pretty scientific records for so many years. And, you know, a lot of times these animals outlive the zookeeper and then who knows if they kept those records properly. 
Right. But there's also an organism that's a multicellular organism called Hydra, H-Y-D-R-A. And this organism's cells do not age, you know, so. Well, like a jellyfish that just never die. They keep renewing themselves. Uh, yeah, they've jellyfish got... are a little different because they're like asexual. And as you just said, they just keep renewing themselves. But Hydra are not asexual. They're just a multicellular organism. And they do, you know, they have offspring uh, sexually like like humans and most organisms but it's just i think we should be studying hydra more and i think that we should we have cells in our own body our germ cells our sperm cells and our eggs egg cells in humans and those cells they do age but they age insanely slower so for example if you had if i impregnated a woman in my 80s that baby would not be as healthy most likely right. as doing you know as i am right now 34 i have a five week year old kids five week year old kid so my point is hey we should be studying our germ cells more and looking at what are those mechanisms and one of the things that they found is that the telomerase enzyme is turned up 100 percent in our germ cells which is just i will leave it at interesting to kind of bring it back to that there's many other differences in the germ cells from our somatic cells and to define terms here, somatic cells are just all the cells in the rest of your body or an organism's body that are not the germ cells, the reproductive cells. Okay. So, I mean, it's like we need more of everything research. If you, if, if you believe that, that human consciousness is the most rare and important thing in the universe, then everyone, it would be nice if some large portion of humans worked on that the most important thing, healing humans, healing the meat or healing the consciousness. You know, I've, I've known people with mental illness, um, my whole life and that shit's terrible. I mean, take a nice, good, normal person, something fucks up in their chemistry and now they're loony. They're crazy shit. And what's you, Richard, what's been your, is that like friends of yours who've done drugs or just not? No, I mean like, so my mother has schizophrenia. So my mother's okay. crazy. And then, you know, eventually after so many years they found pills that, that fixed her to a degree and so i i know the difference between being yourself and not yourself is this little tiny pill you put in your stomach you know and then once you understand that you you it changes your thoughts on human consciousness you're like well there isn't actually consciousness there's really just the statistical likelihood that you'll have a certain set of behaviors and if we raise the temperature or put you in pain or give you these types of psychotics, or if you're crazy, these types of antipsychotics, then the set of likely behaviors in the future totally 100% changes. So in fact, you know, what you are is your pain level, your diet, your temperature, whether you just had an argument with someone else 20 minutes ago, whether you stubbed your toe, uh, you know, and, and whether you took a psychotic or an antipsychotic and like, you know, this concept of you and self, it's like, eh, <laughs> you know, the, you didn't exist before you were born and you won't ex exist after you die. There's just now. That's all there is. People don't like to hear that shit because they want to feel good. They don't want to feel like they've got to actually fight. They don't want to feel like they've actually got to cure things and work hard and, and they're responsible. They want to feel that they're not responsible for their own survival. They're not responsible for their own health and wellness. Someone else is, and it'll all be fine because if you die, you'll go someplace better. Nope. 
You won't. You'll just be fucking dead, and it sucks. And so you should not do things that suck. You should do things that are good. So you should fight against that, you know. Fight it, fight against the dying light type of thing. Well, you know, uh, it was rage, rage against the dying light. <clears throat> I picked up on that, yeah. Yeah, so like, stop being a bitch. Put in the work to make the world a better place. You'll get to enjoy it. And while you're enjoying it, you can also get rich doing it. People will pay all of the money they have to save their fucking life. They'll pay more than all the money they have to save their fucking lives. There's a lot of money in saving lives. Not only can you get very wealthy doing it, but you can maybe save your own life or your loved one's lives. And so like, when I hear that someone's a doctor or a researcher, I believe that's the best thing a human being can do with their life. There's some things that tie into that that can help them. Material science, computer science, um, you know, finance to some degree, you know, crypto, if it gets wide adoption, can improve the efficiency of mankind by maybe a percent or 2% GDP, maybe more. So like there's, there's these certain things that, that make the whole system better. And in, in that whole system, the most important thing are the things that might save your life. And so I believe medical research and physicians and to some degree, the arts and comedians that, that work on your mental wellness, that's the most important stuff there is. And there's a lot of shit that is not important. A lot, a lot, a lot of shit that is not important and people waste their whole lives doing it. So there's a, there's a branch of industry called, you know, uh, gaming. And there's an evil, evil branch of gaming and a good branch of gaming. The good branch of gaming makes narrative games that have a beginning and an end. And they're better than stories. You get to be the hero, right? And then there's the fucking destroy your life, turn you into a a subhuman machine, a, a cash, a human ATM that just performs a repetitive action over and over and over again with no start and no end and consumes the maximum amount of your time and, and just destroys your fucking life. So this would be like Clash of Clans, a lot of other games along that genre, casual games that suck you in with freemium and then take you for as much as they can fucking get and have like 80% of their revenue from like their top 1% of clients that pay like 20 grand a fucking year to play a dog shit casual game. You're like, what? So you're, you're raping people for 20 grand a year for your fucking garbage casual game because you can, because you figured out the psychology of it. You're fucking evil. You're the worst. You're, you're, you're harming mankind. You're taking someone that was successful in life and destroying them so that you can do what? Hire more researchers to create a new horrible fucking game next year. It's disgusting. You know, this is what you do to an enemy in war to destroy their culture is get them addicted to a fucking shitty casual game that sucks up all of their time and all of their money. Horrible. Yeah, I completely agree. And you stated some of those points in your gaming uh, video that you did, what, two and a half years ago. So I highly recommend that if anybody watching does have problems with gaming and addiction, and you certainly know who you are if you're watching, yep. uh, to check out Richard's video on that. South Park had uh, a great episode on it. Um, someone's yeah. mentioned in chat. Yeah, when they all got super fat and zits and shit. Was that like 10 years ago or something? I, was, I think it was a different one. I think it was they were just making fun of the casual games. So the fat zit one was like a World of Warcraft one, which is okay. which is just funny. But then they had another one that was about it the economics of casual games and how they, they fucking ruin people's lives. Okay. Or like <laughs> loot boxes, getting kids addicted to fucking gambling. What are you doing? What are you doing? Getting kids addicted to fucking slot machines and video games. What the fuck it's, is wrong with you? Scumbag, horrible like you, people. 
it's so disgusting, but how do you outlaw something like that? I don't even oh, think that's you easy. That's you. Yes. Okay. That's actually easy to outlaw. <laughs> you could be like, yo, if we find kids that are addicted to some shit that's harmful for them, we just fucking outlaw it. Fuck you guys. I'd rather have kids watch porn and jerk off and that'd be done because their dick's sore and then they have to go back into the world in real life again than fucking be addicted to casual games. I'm not learning anything. You're not learning anything. You're not becoming stronger. You're not like. I've seen it destroy a few, a few not destroy. But I've seen it really negatively impact a few friends' lives, which I won't mention. I've been there. I blew a decade of my life on this shit. So, like, I know I've got 20,000 wins in StarCraft. Wins. Each game is 20 minutes long, average. So I, I blew man years of my life on just StarCraft, and that is one game of which many I have played. Not good. Not fucking good. For sure. Um Richard, I like what you've said about, you know, in previous things that I've watched of you about taking that type of intelligence or mindset and putting it to skills that are actually useful. And the British fellow, I can't remember his name. This was maybe six weeks ago. I watched it and you interviewed or he interviewed you in like July and he was complaining. He was older. He was probably in his late forties, maybe fifties. He was complaining that the skills that he had kept getting outdated by uh, technology or just the world changing. And you had a great reply to him. It was like, well, dude, get some skills that won't go away with technology, like right. sales, marketing. Yep. And I saw, again, the light bulb like go off in his head. And that's that's great advice. So I want people to think about that right now. And Richard, maybe you can expand upon that since we're Look, talking I, I wrote about- a whole book that's better than anything you're hearing now that has all of these ideas and more. It's called SciVive and it's free. And you can go and go to t.me forward slash SciVive, S-C-I-V-I-V-E. And SciVive means survive through science. And uh, it'll tell you how to get rich, how to get laid, how to uh, be stronger, how to pee better. <laughs> Literally. Like, it, it will tell you, it, why does your why is your butt hairy, but, like, other parts of your body aren't? That's all in the book. Shit that you've been curious about that no one else will tell you. I'll tell you. Um, it, it, it needs to become more than what it is. So right now, Survive is, it's not even fully edited to be a book to be published. It still needs to be edited. It's an outline that has everything you want to know factually in it. It will tell you what to do. It doesn't have the narrative glue to stick all the parts together. So you need to just trudge through it and read it randomly, pick out the parts you like. You don't have to do it in order. You don't have to do it linearly. And what, what I'd like to see happen, and so Hex is my cryptocurrency that I invented. It's going very well. We've got over a billion dollars that have claimed free, over a billion dollars of Bitcoin has claimed their free Hex. We've got over 10,000 wallets, uh, addresses that have made over 60,000 stakes. We've got uh, every day like a thousand or 2,000 more Bitcoin claims. What else? The metrics on that are going very, very, very well very happy with where that's going. Where I'm not happy with what it's going is SciVive because I've put no time into it. No one else has put any time into it. What we need is a world of people that want more, a world of people that want to be healthier and stronger and live longer and build the technology that will make that happen. And so what we've got is we've got huge cults of people that unite behind common themes of shit that is dumb. So when I lived in Florida, 
I was a fan of the Miami Dolphins. And then one day it occurred to me, why am I a fan of the Miami Dolphins? They changed the mascot, the coach, the players, the name of the stadium. What, what is left that I'm fucking rooting for here? And I don't even have any control over any of these things whatsoever. So why am I screaming and yelling when the play doesn't work out? How stupid is this? So I stopped. I'm like, all right, that's stupid. I'm going to stop doing that. Well, instead of having people unite behind these fucking groupthink banners of whatever, sport or politic or race or nation, why don't we get behind something that is better? Why don't we get behind something that's like, yeah, we care about fucking medical research and fucking science. And that's what we care about. And, and get the branding and logo and things around that to make it sticky and fun and retain engagement and, and give people social rewards for participating in that. And that shit doesn't exist right now. Right? So, so if you're, if you're pro science and pro research and pro progress, what do we call you there? I can, I have been in the space for long enough that I can come up with some words to tell you that have no popular fucking impact at all. Like humanist, nobody knows what the fuck a humanist is. Transhumanist, the less people know that one. And and neither of those is well marketed. I mean, Dawkins tried to come up with brights. That shit was epic fail. And so this there's been no there's been no cultural mimetic movement to popularize caring about the most important stuff in the world. And I want Sivive to become that. So it's short, it's pronounceable. Um, I think people like the science angle in it. I wish I didn't have to spell it when I said it, but maybe, maybe I don't have to spell it. I'm just overdoing it. Maybe if I just said Sivive, people would understand it. Um, I want that to be a brand and a movement that gives people personal excellence and wealth and all of the joy of being alive. And once you've already lived that to the best of your ability, okay, let's have more. So I'm already eating the best food. I'm already having the best perfume. I'm already having fucking multiple orgasms. Great. Okay, now what? Oh, I want more. Let's do that for longer. Let's not have it fall apart. So I figure if I can get people with the sex, drugs, and rock and roll and then pivot them into the, the honorable good behaviors and good life and investing in things that are better, not worse, investing in medical technology instead of uh, getting kids addicted to games. If I can get humans to do that, then I will have improved the world. And it's already worked to a small degree. I've already affected, I don't know, 100 lives to a strong degree, like strongly affected 100 lives based on just making some YouTube videos a couple of years ago. Didn't, didn't, I threw like $1,000 of marketing at it with YouTube, and they just fucked me and gave me kids wanted to learn their alphabets as traffic. Cocksuckers. Horrible, horrible company. Disgusting. And I'm an internet marketing expert. I chose the right demographics. I set the fucking campaigns up properly. They just fucked me and gave me bad traffic because they could. To find the screen that let me finally discover how bad the traffic was that they gave me is a dark pattern. They hide that shit someplace. You'll never find it. Google, like, Google Analytics is fucking cancer. They don't even delay. Like, a lot of things on the internet actually got worse. Like, back when I started internet marketing and, and had an internet marketing company with 150 employees that I founded back in 2001 to 2003, they, uh, you, you could tell what, how people were getting to your site because their browser would tell you where they were referred from. And if they were referred from a search engine, you could tell exactly what keywords they were coming in on. So guess what fuck-ass Google does? They just remove that shit. They're like, yeah, we're just not going to tell you what they searched for so that you can buy AdWords, give us money, thanks. Scumbags. 
Now, when you do a Google search, the first half of the page, actually the, on mobile, the first page is all paid. It's all your competitors advertising on your keyword. And then if you fucking scroll down, you might find you the actual thing they were searching for because they're scumbags. <clears throat> so welcome to 2019. Maybe 2020 will be better, but you know, we've, we've never had less choice. You've never, you've never like <laughs> capitalism is not doing uh, a good job where social media and search and video is concerned for the things that you use every day that are important to you. Like the thing we're talking on right now, capitalism is not doing a good job here. You ever heard that George Carlin bit on choices, you know, how you have eight different flavors of ice cream or whatever, 23 for Baskin Robbins. But when it comes to the things that actually fucking matter, like politics, you get like two choices. Yep. It's a good Google that or YouTube it. If uh, in, in America, it's really one choice. People don't understand that American right. politics, like people in America think that like, there's a big difference between Republican and Democrat, but the rest of the world has a laugh. And they're they like, agree no. on like almost all the most important <laughs> right. things that we exactly. all rest of the people disagree upon. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, you have no labor party. You have no <laughs> green party. You just have corporate insane and corporate normal. <laughs> you don't need, there's no fucking, which I don't like as a corporate guy. Like I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, I like corporate so fucking sure. But at least I know that there are other perspectives on how, a society could operate that are nothing like what those two parties are trying to do. Um, I mean, shit. Well, yeah, I mean, look, Hillary Clinton was trying to run and she came around on gay marriage. What last, like she was the last politician to be okay with it. Like, is this, (laughs) is this fucking let them be as unhappy as the straight people. Let them fucking be unhappily married. Like everyone else. What's the big problem? (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, it's ludicrous. Well, let's not digress too yeah. deep into yeah, yeah. Uh, into politics because sure. that could take up the whole last year. So my, my perspective is I want to make a goddamn impact in health. Now, I know I need to cut my caloric intake desperately. I know that. I'm a stress eater. I'm under a lot of stress recently. Hopefully that behavior changes um, because... You know, the the likelihood that I can add four or five healthy years to my life through just stop eating like an asshole is better than the medical tech works out. So you gotta look you gotta look at this like like Elon Musk does. So when Elon Musk got a shitload of money when he sold PayPal, he said, Okay, well what am I gonna do with the money? Well let's do stuff that matters. Okay, well the stuff that matters is extremely unlikely to work out. You wanna start a new car company? Okay, it's never worked out. Name name one new car company that's worked out in the United States in the last hundred years. And not just a new car company, an electric car company. Exactly. Right. Two thousand three. Right. And then he's like, Yeah, I also want to compete with Northrop Grumman and McDonnell <laughs> Douglas and the other other entrenched monopolies or pseudo monopolies that get government contracts. I want to compete with those guys and make fucking impossible never before land themselves rockets. We want to do that too. And I want to do them at the same time. <laughs> like, what? So he knew, he knew that they were extremely likely to fail things, but they mattered so much that they had to be done anyway. So it's like pot odds. It's like expected value. You're like, yeah, you know what? Not likely to win this hand, but the chance that I could get that money is worth it. So let's, let's stay in and find out. 
So like if you, if you care about surviving and not falling apart and dying with a whimper, like a bitch, put your brain and your money into things that might cure that outcome and fix it for yourself instead of other shit. So we need, we need a longevity fund right now. If you want a green fund and invest in green technology, it's available to you. But if you want to invest in things that will still make you wealthy, but might save your life, I don't know that there's a popular one of those. Maybe Peter Thiel's girl, who I can't remember what her name is right now, Asian girl, um, with her longevity fund. Maybe that's the ticket. Maybe that works well. And Richard, by the way, Peter Thiel did invest, or excuse me, did donate to SINs many years ago. I think it was $6 million. So he's Peter had- Thiel's the real deal. Peter Thiel is the best resource we have in Silicon Valley and in business in general to promote longevity technology. And Richard, I I have his book back there, Zero to One. It's all my books that I talk about, and I've read it three times, I think. Mm -hmm. And as you're telling the story of Elon Musk, I want the audience to understand that zero to one is the best way to think about this stuff. And you want to do zero to one on things that actually matter. You know, so we all want to live longer and healthier. So that's what I'm working on and it will impact people. It's a fundamental truth. Nobody's no healthy person is ever going to want to say, ah, I just want to get old and die. Um, but it's what they do. They won't say it, but it's exactly what they do. You're like, wow. (laughs) And not only, not only will they do that, but they'll convince you that you should do it too. Don't make things better. Fuck. You know, I I don't want to, I don't want to live any longer. Well then just go early. Fuck bitch. Make space to get it over with like I, I hate I hate that defeatist bullshit it's so gross to me like you realize it's, this will be cured your dumbass just won't be here to see it it's going to get fucking cured this shit is going to get cured you just won't be here so like <sighs> or if it does happen in their lifetime then they'll most likely change their mind about it once it's done um, like many people do with technologies like oh, I'm not going to adapt and use a smartphone in like right. 2011 then yeah. 2012 then 2013 all right I'm using a smartphone because I like it's better. finally see that it's better and that yeah. I can't resist anymore yeah but uh, zero to one guys it's a great book I highly recommend it it's practical and it will help you understand how to really move forward in a practical way with technologies that matter um, so I disagree, I disagree with on the, on the book. So I think the only useful takeaway from the book is two things. One, a cool interview question, which is what is something you strong, you firmly believe in that most people disagree with you about? And he phrases it differently. He says, what is something you know to be true? What is right? Correct. What is, what is one very important truth that most people disagree with you on? It's the contrarian question. Right. And that, that question is only as useful as you realize that he's trying to find outsized economic returns by underserved industries where there will be no competitors. And so the book zero to one is based on talks that he gave at Stanford, I believe. Uh, and one of his students took good notes and then just basically wrote the book for him and he slapped his name on it. And it's his ideas from those speeches that he gave. Um, Correct. He was teaching graduate uh, MBA course at Stanford. Yeah. So what he's identified is that if you are a monopoly like Google is, you do everything you can to look like you're not a monopoly. 
<laughs> so Google 100% owns search, but then they say, well, you know, actually we're only like, you know, 2% of marketing, right? So they just expand their scope and they're like, you know, we're, we're just a little guy because they don't want to get antitrust legislation on their ass, which they should have. It is a fucking utility. It is utility and it should be regulated as such. It is more of a utility than the phone ever was. And the phone was a utility. So let's be fucking serious. Google's a utility and should be fucking regulated. But people have forgotten how shitty companies can be. So they've forgotten why they got regulated in the fucking first place. Because they don't realize that both the government and the companies can and are evil. And you have to fight both of them. And so if you've got evil governments on this side flanking you, and you've got evil businesses on this side flanking you, the correct response to a flank is to all in against the weaker side of it. And then you gain distance against the other people, and you go into the, the side that you might win against. And then if you win against that side, then you can turn around and fuck the other one up or continue to flee. So tactically, the, the correct response to, to double flank is to rush the weak side. And that's what you need to do with government versus fucking... Uh, bad business, right? So who's going to fuck you over harder right now? Well, harder right now is the, you know, all the crypto YouTubers were banned basically a couple days ago as a Christmas surprise. Did you like that guys? Did you enjoy that? I warned you about that two years ago. I told you to regulate them or regret it. And then I bragged about it when it happened. I was like, Hey guys, remember these tweets? No, none of you libertarian motherfuckers want to press like on none of you libertarian motherfuckers wanted to retweet. Because you think you know better than me, you bitches don't know shit. And that's why you can't talk anymore because you've been silenced. Because you're like, oh, we're fucking libertarians and we're strong and, and we hate the government. Well, you forgot about the other enemy because the government's not your only enemy. It's just like getting pulled over by the police. The criminal and the police are your enemy. They're both trying to fuck you up. They don't have your best interests in mind. When you get pulled over, you know the best outcome for you? Not getting shot and getting a fucking ticket. You're not getting a high five. You're not getting a hand job. At least I hope you're not. <laughs> I, don't know, uh, I don't know what kind of law enforcement is going on where you live, but if you're getting a hand job, man, I don't know if it's by voluntary or fucking. If you're Probably like not in America. Maybe with some of those other countries. Yeah. So, like, you know, I haven't had a great experience when I've been pulled over, and I haven't had a great experience when I've been robbed. And, you know, I've, and I understand that they're both not on my fucking team. The criminals are not on my team, and usually the police ain't on my team. I've been had to shit robbed out of me a bunch of times. I ain't never get nothing back. Nothing. Not a fucking thing. Like, can I get something back? Can I finally, can law enforcement do something good for me and get me some of my stolen shit back, please? Never fucking works out. So, you know, you got government and bad companies both trying to fuck you. You got law enforcement trying to fuck you. Now, obviously, yeah, they fuck up bad guys too, but they fuck up good guys too, right? Like, so if they're eyeballing you and nothing good going to happen to you, you're not going to get birthday presents. You're not going to get cash positive. The best that can happen is you don't lose. That's a shitty situation. So, you know, what do we do to make the world a better place? We get people to focus on the right things, use the right language, use the right branding, and, uh, and get the money. You got to ask for the money. So I put at the bottom of my videos, if you want to donate to charity, donate to sends.org. I will like to upgrade that to include commercial options as well. So... You know, for me, After Hex is the Sci-Vive book and its cultural movement. I think I can help a lot of lives. I already have. And I think we should give it a good shot at seeing if we can get it to go viral and be a thing. You know, it worked out for, uh, what's his name in Canada? Peterson. Worked out for Peterson. I think I give better advice than he does. Yeah, I, I think my advice is more actionable and more profitable than his advice. And it worked out for him. And so I'd like to see it work out for us, at least to the same level. 
you know, and it, his is progress. Like his is good shit and ours is good shit. And it would be good if everyone that was doing good shit was displacing the bad ideas. I can't even, other than his positions on uh, religion, I pretty much agree with him on everything. Um, <clears throat> so then Richard re- regarding Cyvive, I'm yeah. reading it right now. Mm-hmm. My, my two critiques are one that you already mentioned. It's not edited. It's yet, not a book. So <laughs> it's not there's some grammatical in there, which yeah. I was, I was actually like an editor in high school. I'd be happy to help out on that. I will I give you, I will give you right access to the Cyvive edited one note and you can edit it away. You okay. can fix the show. You, you have a backup copy, yes. obviously, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. Um, and then the other thing is, which might help with editing, I'm not a fast reader and it's long. Like the information there is good. I don't know. It's like 500,000 words it. or something. <laughs> I don't, it's, I don't it's, have any it's good like advice eight books on how to shorten it. Well, your first book's supposed to be like 75,000 words. And Sci-Vive, I think, is like 425K words. So there's like six fucking books there. So like yeah. it might just be better to split it up into multiple books, which would be okay too. Like I'm fine with that. Might even be better. So I don't know. Yeah. I, it's a lot of good information, but it is long and yep. I have been trying to read it and I am reading it and I will finish it, but it just might take me a while. Yeah. It's a challenge. Just remember if it gets hard to skip it, just go to the next thing. It's not linear. Like you can skip huge chunks and it won't matter. Um, so Hex cryptocurrency, it's going amazing. Uh, I believe it's better than Bitcoin. I got a lot of really good evidence to support that it is. It's designed to go up to over 10,000 X in two and a half years. I have no idea if it will. It could go to zero. It's cryptocurrency. Bitcoin could go to zero. Hex could go to zero. Or it could beat the performance of Ethereum, which is where that 10,000 number comes from. So Ethereum just did 10,000 X from 15 cents to $1,500 over two and a half years. And I think that this is designed in a way that it could outperform that. Uh, I don't know if it will but it surely could and was designed to. So we'll see. Um, then Cyvive, which is give them the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then pivot them into good, wholesome medical research because they won't go there first. You tell them we're going to cure aging, they'll be like, fuck off. You tell them we want to cure cancer and heart disease, they won't say to fuck off, but like, ah, maybe. You tell them, hey, I can get your dick suck and make you rich, and then you could go do these things. And then they're like, ah, the riches and dick sucking sounds good. And then, then you get them onto the next thing, right? Um, this is all obviously a very male, male perspective podcast, <laughs> but you know no, what? It, it is crypto is all male. Crypto is all male. YouTube's yeah. all male. My audience is all male. So girls, if you want to endure the foul language and the, and the crude commentary, you're going to learn a lot of really cool stuff here, but, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sacrifice my effectiveness and enjoyable conversation with my bros for the point five percent of you that you know have vaginas sorry increase your numbers and then i'll readdress my speech patterns um you can't choose your audience so whatever audience i have is just organically however it happened it's not like i advertise to just guys or anything yeah so, i'm the same way and longevity research is actually pretty similar it is. Um, and even the girls in it, you find out that they used to be guys. You're like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I'd fucking, there are really a lot of guys here. Even the girls used to have dicks. This is interesting. Um, not all of them, but a lot. Which is weird, too, because, like, biology is primarily a girl thing. You know? Like, there's more girls in biology than there are guys, but for some reason, I, th- I think it's this quest for power, right? Cryptocurrency is your quest for personal sovereignty and strength and power and economics and finance. 
And now we're just doing the same kind of shit with our own bodies. You know, we want personal strength and personal power. So guys seem to be power focused. Girls seem to be caring focused, which is good because they pop out kids and feed them. And we are, you know, more mobile, quicker, and more warlike because it just worked better back when we evolved. Who knows what we'll look like in a hundred years, right? Um, well, I know what I'll look like if I don't change my diet. I'll look like we dust. all know what we'll look like in a hundred years. We'll be <laughs> fucking dead. That's yeah, why we're having currently. this conversation. Yeah. Why we're why we're passionate about the work that we're doing and longevity, right? Yep. Um, so, so what I want, is, I want to say the path hex, survive, save your ass, fund, which is really going to be the save your ass sets fund. Um, if if uh, Peter Thiel's girl who I, I, I totally regret referring to her in that way. So maybe I'll look up her name real quick so I don't have to keep being an idiot about it. I'll give you her name. So the Longevity Fund that you can find at longevity.vc is run by Laura Deming. And she's smart. So go check her out. You know, maybe I don't have to build the Save Your Assets Fund because she's already doing a good job at it. Or maybe I should chuck a link at the bottom of my videos to sense.org and the longevity.vc website. I'm not sure because I haven't had time to look into it. Um, but that's the game, right? So we need we need the crypto thing, cool. The pop popularized science and medical research and progress and excellence, SciVive. Save Your Assets Fund, boots on the ground, money into the right things. And then uh, synthetic biology startups in the space. So I got a friend named Bill Liao that runs uh, Rebel Bio, which is a, a synthetic biology accelerator at Ireland. And either help him or build something similar to what he built uh, to help get startups in the space. So we need startups making health better. We need a fund which deploys assets to probably you know larger tier things to make health better. We need to popularize a cultural movement to get other copies of people like me doing those same things, just like Bill Gates did with the Giving Pledge. Bill Gates was given lots of money, and he's like, well, this ain't enough. Let's get everyone like me to do it too. And then he got everyone like him that was ultra-wealthy to also kick ass as well, which I think SciVive is more likely to create more copies of productive people focused on saving their own fucking lives and the lives of their loved ones. So that's the path. Hex, SciVive, Save Your Assets, Synthetic Biology Accelerator. I should come up with a cool brandable name for that behavior because sin bio accelerator sounds too many, too many words, but maybe, maybe, I, you know, I haven't put thought into it yet. That's the path. I'm trying that to fit dieting is, in there somewhere. <laughs> that is a very, uh, relevant and I'd say rational path to this, the way that I see it, you know, um, at least you're fucking trying. At least you're doing yeah. something. You know, 99.9% .9 of the people on the planet just have a defeatist mindset when it yep. comes to extending their health span and lifespan. And Richard, towards the beginning of the uh, live cast, you were stating something that I want to make sure people understand about being old and being close to death. The best way to extend your lifespan is to extend your health span, is to extend your health span. So I want to, Richard, I know, knows what that means, but I want to make sure the audience is 100% clear about what that actually means. So that is a scientific, biological 
factual statement that I just made based off all of the longevity experts that I've interviewed, they all are in accordance with the statement that I just made, which is that the best way to keep you alive and healthy is to just keep you young and healthy biologically. I mean, we all were born a certain date. We're all getting older chronologically that will never change. Um, but reversing human aging, I believe is possible and I believe it will happen, but that's going to be more difficult to do than just slowing and stopping reverse, uh, slowing and stopping human aging. Yep. It's much easier. So, in other words, if you're 95 and you're old and decrepit, there's so many things going wrong in your body. It's going to be much easier and cheaper from a time, energy, investment standpoint to, you know, reverse my aging at a relatively healthy age of 34 and healthy condition than it is a 95 year old. So that's your motivation right there. I, I want to, at some point, Richard, you know, now an hour from now, whenever I want to talk about what I believe to be actionable things that people can be doing right now. And we can have discourse on that. You can say, ah, I don't necessarily agree with that. We'll have a conversation about. I think it's actually a pretty short conversation. So basically okay. like, uh, David Sinclair, who, you know, f discovered resveratrol and is working on other things like M&M and I think another chemical that he believes is superior to M&M, which is, you know, molecules working on to monetize and hopefully works. You know, he says, eat less and eat less often. Yes. And, you know, I think he mentions uh, one or two other things I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe you know them. David Sinclair is has become the most popular longevity person. He's crushing the social media game. He's got his book out right now, Lifespan. I haven't read it yet. Shame on me. Um, it's on my list of things to do. But he's crushing the game. Follow him on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. Um, and you are correct, Richard. That's the when he when he's asked like, what is the number one thing you can do to improve your life? He always answers, reduce the amount of calories you take in, and also increase the amount of time you do intermittent fasting. You know, like it, get to at least twelve hours every single day. And that might sound really difficult, but we'll get to something else that most people in longevity never mention, which is sleep that I think is super important and that I talk about and I'll be interviewing sleep experts, but think about it. If you are sleeping eight hours a night, which you should be doing, then all you have to do is not eat two hours before you go to bed and two hours after you wake up or whatever combination you want to get to that 12 hours of intermittent fasting, which is incredibly important for many reasons. Um, we can talk about those in a minute or I can share with them now, but I want people to understand those are two of the easiest things that you can do. And those things will actually improve your sleep as well. The, uh, the intermittent fasting and reducing caloric intake. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I know that and I've known it for a very long time since I read Roy Walford's 160 year diet in fucking 2002 and hired chefs and then ate their food and then normal food and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had my own two personal chefs and the fucking uh I didn't lose any weight. Um I by the way I went on this longevity.vc website and guess what? My idea that I had, well he's already uh, doing it. So <laughs> he's got that? yeah, it says here that they've got 125 labs internal company creation that conceptualizes builds and you know scales frontier biotech companies. And then he's got an age dash one biotech accelerator, and then he's got the longevity fund which takes you from feed seed to series a. And apparently these longevity fund companies have gotten over 500 million in follow on funding. 
and they had the first uh, IPO in 2018 of a reverse aging company. So he's doing my idea. It's already working. Great. Fucking maybe, maybe I can just promote his shit. I, I hope so. So yeah, check out longevity.vc and uh, maybe it's kick ass, right? So sends.org, SENS.org, longevity.vc, sends.org does accept crypto. These guys probably accept crypto too because P- Peter Thiel's got a giant bag of Bitcoin. So <clears throat> yeah, and Richard, that's, that's one more thing that I want to bring up. We talked about, or at least I kind of talked about similarities between cryptocurrency and longevity the mindset, the similarities, which we haven't really touched much upon them. I just brought up the idea, but one way that they're completely different and I want the audience to understand they're different. We want to stay different is that cryptocurrency is a lot about competition. You know, there, you can have cooperation within certain projects and companies, but the longevity movement in general is a very cooperative environment because we're all working for the same goal, which is to extend your health span and your lifespan. And I, for one, don't really give a shit which company ends up making the biggest impact there. Um, And I just want it to happen. And we're all in the same boat in that sense. So it's a very collaborative and like fresh feeling. So if you're if you're in crypto and you want to like start focusing on this a little bit, you'll have that maybe positivity um, just kind of side effect of everybody kind of working together um, in a general sense. Yeah, like if you if you really want to get something done, you don't give a shit who you have to work with to get it done. You're like, all right, I'm working with purple people, aliens, uh, anti-government freaks, you know, a one-eyed dude. Like, I don't care. Like, whatever the fuck we have to do to get the job done, right? Like, let's let's make progress. So I, this... <laughs> I tell you, really wanting to get the job done destroys classism, racism. Right. If you, you know, it, it makes the world like all the stuff that these equalists or feminists are trying to get done really does happen in the real world when you care about a mission and a goal, you know. So, That's why, Richard, like, regardless of what you think about Ronald Reagan, put your political beliefs aside. You know, that UN uh, speech that he gave in the 1980s where he said, hey, if aliens came down, um, to earth, then we would all quickly join together as the human race to fight the aliens, assuming the aliens were combative against us, you know, like we need to all align and realize that aging is coming for us all. It fucking sucks. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be this way. Um, I want to throw out a quick statistic so people understand like the situation that we're in, because most people don't understand this. So on an average day, about 150,000 people die. And from those numbers, about 110,000 people die from aging or age-related diseases. So cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all those would be in that 110,000 category. So by definition, aging is killing more people than anything, yet you don't hear about it like this in the mainstream media and popular culture. And the reason for that is generally complex but i think it's basically succinctly because people don't believe it's possible to do anything about it so the religions of the world for thousands of years have done their best to create belief systems that hey there's nothing you should you can do about this so you just need to accept it you know and the peter teals of the word world the richard hearts the 
uh, folks, you know, have decided, well, I don't accept it. I want to fight this. And I think that we can using science and we are making progress. We have reversed aging in multiple species. They're just not necessarily human. So, I mean, I want to be careful with that statement. I think that we have reversed many biomarkers of aging in various humans and we can get into that but i have not seen an 80 year old human reverse to looking like they're 50 you know so we haven't seen that yet to my knowledge and i don't think it's happened yet and that's that's the gold standard that's what we all want yeah i agree and you know even if you didn't want that stuff and you just wanted to make money giving it to people that did great go get rich healing humans do it please um, and one other thing that you mentioned earlier about cancer, I want people to understand if we cure cancer, it's estimated that about two to three years or so will be added to the average lifespan of humans on the planet. Just so three. in other words, yeah, if you cure three. cancer, you get three years. If you cure heart disease, you get three years. Those two things kill 80% of people. If you cure them both, you get seven years. The math's fucking weird, but it checks out. Three plus three is seven in this in this situation. So if you can do something for mankind that gets them more than three years, it will be worth more than curing cancer. If you can do something that gets them more than three years, it's worth more than curing heart disease. So that's why I believe in regenerative medicine, because you get so little from curing cancer and heart disease. Three years ain't shit. So, I mean, it's very easy. That's, that's why I want to pitch that we're going to cure cancer and heart disease and then cure them through means that cure a lot of other shit too instead of cure them individually and get barely anything done because they're side effects of a decaying system richard i really do think that that's the right approach i mean i do I'm not just stroking you right now i think you are pretty intelligent and have a good track record when it comes to marketing and branding and dr michael fossil who i interviewed last month you know agree or disagree on the telomerase gene therapy i mean you've you've stated where you stand there but his company, Telocyte, in America is trying to do telomerase gene therapy with FDA approval to cure Alzheimer's first. And then if they can actually work on people who have Alzheimer's and don't have any other options, there is no cure for Alzheimer's, you know? So if it can actually help slow... Apparently they've got a new thing with ultrasonics, which makes a good impact on it that just came out. I've, I've seen that stuff. I've, I've been reading some articles recently that, that, you've met, that you mentioned there and some other stuff, but like no cure. I haven't no. seen an actual like, right. that's what they're trying to do with telesite. And so then obviously if that were to happen, and I think that you believe that's a big if, I think it's probably a pretty big if too, but I hope it happens. But if that did happen, then the next logical leap would be, hey, let's do the same telomerase gene therapy on a 80 year old person without Alzheimer's and see if it actually reverses their aging or, or see if it does do that. Um, so in other words, Michael Fossil, has been in the longevity space for over 30 years. He wrote the book called Reversing Human Aging in 1996. He's an MD and PhD, both from Stanford. And that's the approach he's using. They're trying to piggyback on the huge diseases that we all in society hate so much and are affecting great. us like Alzheimer's cancer. That's great, yeah. And then trying to reverse it that way. So it's not just you thinking that, they're, they're using these approaches and I think it is the best way to go. I think it's hilarious that I went to this longevity VC and then it like describes my plan is what they're already doing. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking sick. Cool. Dude, I mean, you <laughs> he probably had the plan before me and just didn't tell anybody. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, yeah. but like having an idea in your head is great. I've had a lot of great ideas in my head. I'm, I'm not making excuses. Like I don't have the skill set to actually 
execute on many of the ideas that I have. I have a great idea. I want to transform into another like dimension or out of the universe into a multiverse. Well, I have no fucking skill set to do that. So yeah. I started, um, I started volunteering for, uh, the sense foundation back in 2006. I did the video I saw for the event in Cambridge. I saw that video of you with the, you were longer hair. You look yeah. like a younger guy there. Yeah. I was, uh, 16 years, 13 years younger. Um, and you know, I blew a decade of my life playing fucking video games. So now it's time to, to get back at it, you know, because the game hasn't changed. The same problems are still there and the internet hasn't really changed that much. So let's, let's get back and fucking attack, you know, um, I'm happy to be back in the game. Cool. Um, well, I'm really appreciative that you would do this with me and I'm just happy to share any knowledge that I have. I'm, I'm learning every single day. Like I've been interested in this stuff for about 14 years, but I'll say from actually interviewing longevity experts and then going to Radfest, meeting people, I don't like Facebook in many ways. And I know you hate it as well, but there are some pretty good groups and longevity. You got to go where the people are. Yeah, exactly. And that's the approach. I've, I've completely changed my mindset on Facebook this year because that's where a lot of longevity enthusiasts are. Is there an older crowd? And it's funny, you know, the older people are more on Facebook. Yep. Um, the older so people using, also have all the money. So, yep, they have handy. that too. Yeah. So I'm using Facebook in that sense to kind of network with those people. Um, but one thing that I wanted to get back to real quick, Richard, is the action items. You know, I, I, I do yep. want the audience to feel empowered like, hey, there is sure. scientific things that we can be doing right now that are pretty well understood. And like, I've, done these things more on my body and I'm like, holy shit, like I feel younger, look younger, uh, make your own opinions about what I look like right now as an almost 35 year old man. But if you look at pictures from me when I was slaving away at corporate sales jobs, not living my healthiest life, only getting like five hours of sleep sometimes and less to, to get that sales deal done or whatever, like I was not looking good in my late twenties, early thirties. And I've really reversed some certain things with these lifestyle practices. So, um, I don't want it to be all me talking, but I can Go. throw out some ideas. Go ahead. Yeah. Believe me, so I regarding... talk enough for, for everybody. So it's attack. <laughs> so regarding sleep, sleep is the number one thing in my opinion that can impact your health in the most dramatic way. And it's also seems to be the thing that almost all these longevity experts are not talking about. They don't really talk about it. But whenever I bring it up like this, none of them disagree with me and it'll be like, ah, sleep's not that important. None of them do that. So they know it's important. But most people don't know much about sleep. So Dr. Matthew Walker came on the Joe Rogan podcast about a year and a half ago. So step one, I highly recommend everybody watches that podcast. It's about an hour and a half. When I saw that, I was like, holy shit, sleep science is way more advanced than I realized. I've been trying to learn about sleep for over a decade. I'd watch documentaries, but for whatever reason, I just wasn't getting the proper information. So I then listened to a bunch of Matthew Walker's podcasts on YouTube and other avenues when he was promoting his book. And then I read his book, Why We Sleep. So I highly recommend all those things. And then I'm scheduled to interview two sleep scientists on my YouTube channel in the next one in mid-January and one in March. I saw both of them on Tom Bilyeu's channel just a couple of weeks ago, and I hit him up on LinkedIn, secured interviews. So sleep science is really, really advanced. We can talk about very specific. I can just tell you shit to make your sleep better real quick. Yeah, please do. And then sure. I'll probably agree with all of it sure. because action items are really important. So yep. let's stick on action items. Go ahead. So if you guys want to have better sleep, one, 
turn on the blue filter on your phone, turn on flux on your computer. Apparently yes. Apple has it built in there now because your circadian rhythms, the rate at which you sleep and wake up are affected by the presence of blue light and blue light makes your ass wake up. And so if you want to go to sleep, it's nice to have your brain know that the fucking sun went down and to not give it a virtual sun from your phone and from your TV. So you turn the brightness levels down and you can change it to a more yellow, more firelight vibe by removing the blue. So a piece of software that can do that is called f.lux. Um, it's built into Apple devices now. Um, it's built into Android devices now. <clears throat> do you have to turn it on on your iPhone or iPad? You, you have to turn it on on everything. Yep. It's not going to be a default thing. It's gonna, you got to activate it everywhere. Next thing you can do is actually use your body during the day so that when it comes time to sleep, you're tired because you fucking used your body. So strength training or cardio, which <laughs> I haven't done cardio in a long time. But, you know, if you use your body... You're going to go to sleep quicker because your ass is tired. Uh, another thing you can do is it's called uh, sleep. What's that word for hygiene? Sleep hygiene. So what you're going to do is you're going to limit sound. You're going to wear earplugs. I suggest you use earplugs that are not foam. I suggest that you use wax earplugs. Because if you use foam earplugs, when you turn your head, your foam earplug will rub against the pillow and it creates a very loud sound called microphonics. Just like some headphone cables. If you rub the cable, you hear it like a stethoscope in your ear. It's horrible. And some uh, wires that just don't do that, like some Bose wires, they're like a silicone that when you rub them, they just don't make any noise in your ear. It's called microphonics. So if you use a wax earplug, uh, one, it'll make sure your ears have wax in them, which is good against shit like swimmer's ear, apparently. Uh, two, it doesn't have the microphonics problem because it doesn't stick out and uh, and hit uh, anything. And then even if it did hit, rubbing wax doesn't have any near this near the same sound profile as rubbing foam does. Um, you can also use what's called a Marpax uh, sound machine, and it's used for helping babies go to sleep. It just makes a natural white noise using a little fan, but it doesn't actually generate air movement really, and it's vastly superior to anything you can find digitally. So M-A-R-P-A-C, it's a company in the United States, but they also, I believe, have a, a branch in the UK called DOM, D-O-H-M. And these devices, they just plug into your wall, draw about 28 watts, 15 to 28 watts, depending on the model, and creates a very soothing, adjustable, you can adjust the pitch, the high to low pitch on the top spinner and the intensity on the bottom spinner. It'll give you more amplitude and more, different uh, higher or lower pitch. And that's the best sound machine you can get. And that'll drown out erroneous noises that appear. Sirens, door slamming, toilets, whatever the fuck's going on in your house, or if you have shitty neighbors. You slap those earplugs on there, you turn on your sound machine. And look, even if you have good sleep, you don't know whether your sleep could be better until you try. So even if you sleep like a fucking rock, which I do, I find that it's still better to slap the earplugs in and slap the, the sound machine on. And even if you get 3 to 5 to 10% better sleep, that's worth it totally worth it. Um, another thing you do is some people take a, some melatonin and melatonin is a little counterintuitive in that if you take too much, I think it, it not only doesn't help, but I think it works less good than if you take the right amount. So you've really got to watch your dosage on melatonin. So we've got removed. That's the one thing, Richard, real quick, everything you've said there is in total alignment with like the latest sleep science. One thing Dr. Matthew Walker said, so don't shoot the messenger, which is me. Um, he should, he says that from the latest research, he would only recommend taking melatonin when you're recovering from, 
um, uh, plane travel time zones right. uh, to get over jet lag because well, that- he thinks that it's count. It's and he wouldn't even recommend it there. That's the only time he said it was okay. So he does not recommend sure. taking melatonin. I, I don't. I don't really recommend it either. If you can do shit okay. without, if you take a complex system and you try and modify it by making small changes, it's much more likely you fuck it up than you make it better. So if you if you take yep. your car and you just pour nitro in the fuel tank, watch how many things break. Right. The system was designed to operate with certain shit going on. So if you can make things work without chemicals, it's better. So what do we got? Earplugs, wax ones. Um, brand I use I'm is asked. called Ortho Ortho Packs. I have a pack sitting near here because um, I just buy them a bulk. Like fuck it, just give me a bunch of these. I don't want to ever have to be without. Um, so Marpack Sound Machine Ortho Packs uh, earplugs. They come shipped with like uh, cotton around them. Just get rid of the cotton. It's just for shipping, so they only like, get stuck together. Um, I mask. I mask are super crucial and easy and cheap on Amazon or wherever you want to buy them. Maybe. So I don't. I don't like I mask as much as just doing real light control with uh, blackout blinds and tape. You should do that too. You want the yeah. room to be as right. literally completely pitch yep. dark. Yep. And this is. I cannot overstate this with people. Like, especially in modern day, we have alarm clocks. We have all yep. sorts of gadgets that have little lights on them in Matthew Walker's sleep. So he's the sleep scientist at UC Berkeley. He's also now Google's dedicated sleep scientist. In his lab at UC Berkeley, they had somebody completely dark underneath the covers in the sleep lab, electrodes on their brain, shined a little light behind his knee, and you could see the hypothalamus light up and the brain start to wake up. So your skin cells have light sensors on them. So yes black out the whole room if you can't yeah, you do can that you can use little black stickers or blue sticky shit or you yep. know bubble gum or whatever fuck you want to cover up leds because half those leds you don't fucking need them at all and they're right abusively bright usually um degree temperature 68 to 62 degrees fahrenheit is what's shown to be the best temperature for sleep i found that a little surprising i, I was sleeping with the temperature a little bit warmer it fucking works. This is science. Don't yeah. argue with science. And so yeah. wear socks. It, cha- wear cha- it also depends on your body fat and the type of blanket you use and um, some other thing. It def- Everything Richard's saying is, is definitely true there. Like there's factors. There's, there's personalized medicine is a theme that I want everybody to understand. This is the future. You know. I have a caveat on that. Yeah. In this case, you will probably get better sleep without sleep monitoring. So what what tends to happen is, so I bought some fucking strip that you put under yourself to like monitor your sleep, mm-hmm. and the presence of that strip, and you knowing that it's there and making you think about whether you're sleeping properly or not, adds a degree of sleeping less properly because you're eye fucking your sleep. Yeah. And so I- like it it actually. I'm not a, like I'm not really an anxious guy. I'm like whatever, but it's you're thinking about this it, right? tiny these tiny yeah. things matter, right? Like, what's the difference between like good steak, bad steak, good perfume, bad perfume? We're talking about tiny degrees of difference. Also, for for sleepwear, people talk about high thread count. I have no idea why high thread count costs more and feels like shit. It feels like paper. Get jersey t-shirt material. There's a reason everyone chooses to use this on their bodies because it feels great. Well, it fucking feels great for bedding as well, and it's quieter if you rub it. It's not loud, so I think I think jersey material is 
fabulous for body feel, like skin feel and sound and affordability. Um, so I'm, I'm a fan of Jersey over high thread count paper like sheets. I don't understand why anyone likes this. <clears throat> Those are all great, great points. I also think that um, if you can understand your chronotype, so the gentleman I'm scheduled to interview in mid uh, January, his name's Dr. Michael Bruce, B-R-E-U-S. Just Google his name with chronotype, C-H-R-O-N-O-T-Y-P-E. You take a little quiz of his on his website that takes maybe, I don't know, seven minutes and it will really help because it's personalized medicine in the sense that as you age and as your life changes and things about you change and your lifestyle, he recommends not just what time to go to sleep and wake up, but what's the best time to have sex or ask for a raise or do your most creative work. So um, I recommend that as well. Another thing's wearing socks and also even gloves if you want to, and even a hat. The reason is, and it, it ties into the temperature, your brain needs to lower about two degrees Fahrenheit to go to sleep. So that's why if you actually put on socks or uh, gloves, I don't personally wear gloves, but I wear socks every night and the dry fit ones. So my feet aren't all sweaty and shit. Um, it really helps like kind of trick your body to get the heat to escape because the, your extremities get warmed up. So your body thinks that it's like warm. So the heat escapes. So your, your brain temperature lowers, you go to sleep faster. Hmm. It's a little hack. Another hack is it's, it works too. And it's super easy. Um, another hack is if you can take a hot shower or a hot bath, not necessarily hot, but like warm, not super hot. Um, about two hours before you go to sleep. And it's the same concept. Your body will release the heat to lower the core temperature and your brain is what really needs to lower. Right. So there's some other things too, but Richard, like... I don't know. Are... Is there? I don't know if there is. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we got everything except diet shit, more diet shit, or, or jacking off before you go to sleep or something. I mean, so then here, here is it, Zach, jacking off before you go to sleep, I think definitely helps. Like, there's no doubt about that. Having sex, just getting a good orgasm, male or female, like that would, we all know that, right? But this is why I start with sleep first, because Matthew Walker hammered it home to my brain that sleep should be the foundation of health. That's where everything starts, because if your sleep is messed up, it screws up with everything else. Yeah. And you're trying to get better diet and exercise. Well, guess what? If you're not getting the best sleep, your brain I got one. less healthy foods. I came but, up with one. Sleep apnea. Joe Rogan talks about this a lot. My father's got terrible sleep apnea. And if you get higher body weight, your sleep apnea kicks in. So your fucking throat just gets in the way of breathing. And then you're snoring. Your fucking heart will stop. And your lung, like, you'll just get basically near death. And then you'll be like, <laughs> and then you'll come back alive. It keeps resetting so you never get into deep REM sleep. And then the next day you're a zombie. But now that you're a zombie, you don't realize you're a zombie because your consciousness doesn't work as well as it used to. And then it gets worse yep. and it gets worse. So my father spent a good decade of his life or more as a zombie falling asleep during movies and just not being a full human. And as a kid, you're just irritated by that. You're like, what the fuck's wrong with my dad? Like, I can't stay up for anything. But you don't realize that it's a medical condition from right. sleep and now that we know that you can it's fix treatable. this yeah you can yeah, fix it with a cpap machine which you mm -hmm. strap it to your face and it jams air into your body uh or you can use this uh device that's like a like a mouth guard for a football and you bite onto it and it pulls your jaw forward which gives her more space for your air 
your esophagus fucking air hole. Um, that works too. And so, you know, you could go through your whole life having good sleep and then this shit could come and hit you because, you know, your body changes, you get older, or your weight changes or the position you sleep in changes or your sleeping situation changes. And now, you know, you can start snoring and not getting good sleep anymore. And by the way, snoring fucks up the people next to you too. Like that they probably don't sleep as good with you making that racket. So if you can do a CPAP machine, you're going to sound like Darth Vader, but you'll, you'll be a hu- totally different human being the next day. You will, you'll see things you didn't see before. You'll have thoughts you didn't have before. You'll be able to remain alert. It's like day and night difference. Um, so, you know, there's probably a lot of undiagnosed people listening that have sleep apnea and just don't know that they have it. Um, so one way to cure it is a CPAP machine. Another way to cure it is that mouth guard. Um, yeah, I think, I think we knocked sleep out of the park. So that's actionable. That's shit you guys can really do and really use to make your lives better. And some of it just costs money. You don't even have to think like those ortho packs or your plugs. I mean, you're talking what $5 or something. Shit. It's- it's actionable. These are easy things. I mean, you could spend a bunch more money on a mattress if you have the money. That's a responsible thing to do. But the things we touched upon are all like cheap, easy things. You just have to get that momentum going, right? I, I got I got a hundred and twenty dollar Amazon foam fucking mattress that I bought yeah. for giggles instead of an airbed. It's awesome. There it's fucking great. So Thank uh, you for <laughs> yeah, like it's fucking like what do you want for hundred and twenty dollars? Comfortable ass better than an airbed thing, you know, airbeds suck. There's actually one more really important one that I don't think you touched upon Richard, which is, um, going to bed and waking up at the same time, pretty much every single night. That is really, really important. So obviously that's not possible when you're trying to be an entrepreneur traveling all over the world, but it is really important, uh, to do that if you can. You might be right but my schedule's so fucked that I want to pretend <laughs> that that's not there because <laughs> yeah, it's not happening for me. It's, it's actually one that Dr. Matthew Walker has said. Yeah. He's probably the right. Most, the most important. And yeah, when I heard that one, I was like, son of a, cause yeah, I mean, th- this stuff is not all easy. We're not telling yeah. you, like, I'm not telling you that like, this is going to be easy, but if you just do most of these hacks, it will improve your life. You will see it. You'll start craving healthier foods. You'll, one thing you said earlier too about getting out, I want to include if you have sunlight, get out. Oh yeah, good point. And do it in the morning if possible and exercise yeah. in the morning if you can too. Do not exercise about four hours before you're going to bed. That's a good point. You know, sunlight, like your, your body needs sunlight to create vitamin D. So most yep. black people that live in northern climates are vitamin D deficient because they don't get as much sunlight as their body was designed for. People don't realize that a human's color is based on how much sunlight it gets. So if you think all black people in Africa are the same color, they're not. Because some parts of Africa are more rainy and some parts are less rainy. If you're in the rainy part, you get less sun. So the the black people there are lighter colored. And if you go to a part with less rain, the black people there are darker colored. Because it turns out your skin color is a function of how much sunlight you get. And if you want to find, you know, really, really light colored people, farther north you get, you're more likely to find them. And it's basically modifying vitamin D levels based on sunlight. So yeah, your, your body has a real strict relationship with the sun in regards to, is it wake up time? Is it sleep time? And then, you know, vitamin D, you need it for your immune system. Um, and fucking people with tans looks better anyway, because their eyes stand out more. The the whites of their eyes look whiter because the skin's darker around them. Their teeth look whiter. 
you know, tans in general, when they're not overdone, just appear to make you look more healthy, which is why you find them on the cover of so many magazines. <clears throat> so if it improves your health and improves your circadian rhythms and gets you laid more with a higher quality of mate, okay, well, that's enough for me. Unfortunately, I don't go out very much. So I need to improve some of these things. Some of these things I got done, but some of them I don't. And Richard, um, you don't like to share where you are, but like, no. are you, I mean, obviously it's December, like you're not in a climate that's even nice right know. now, right? You'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. So there is one more, like there are other things about sleep, but I think Richard and I touched upon the most impactful, easiest ones. Yeah. We could, we could give you the, the military, the Navy came up with a way to help you go to sleep by using a very simple mental tactic, um, to clear your mind. It's like better than counting sheep, apparently. It was developed in World War II. So that like mental, uh, what was that word we had for when a thing's clean hygiene? Mental thought hygiene pre-sleep is also effective, you know? Okay. I'm not fully following. I have my little ritual that I do before I go to sleep, but but please continue. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the, the specific. You'd have to Google it. You'd have to Google Navy sleep tactic or pattern. And then, but, but do you remember what it is? Even if you don't remember, like, well, you're, you're just, you're, you're changing your focus and, and doing something. So, you know, you lay back and you pretend that everything's going great and that you've done everything that you needed to do. And then I, okay, I think so that I that's kind the of, frame is that you're removing I, anxiety. I kind of do that, but I do it in a more like intellectually honest way with myself. So let mm -hmm. me, let me kind of tell you the talk track that I have with myself before I go to bed. Cause I think it's highly, highly helpful for people especially people who suffer from anxiety or have any type of uh, depression or nightmares. So I don't really have nightmares ever. So what you do before you go to sleep is you just say, like, for example, I'll say, you know, reality, I, I don't believe in like God. So I don't pray to God or Lord or even the universe. I just call this thing that we're in reality. So I say reality. Thanks for a great day. Thank you for my son. My wife had an awesome uh, webcast with Richard. I'm really appreciative of that. I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I'll try to get better on that. And I try to take a mental metal meta tag of how I can improve. And so that's my way of like being honest with myself, but also being positive. Because if you get yourself in that type of a mindset right before you go to sleep, your brain's more in theta brainwave. And that's where you want to be, which is creative, but it's also where you're going to be in um, certain rims or certain cycles in sleep. And so you'll find that if you think about those things, you'll tend to dream about them more and have more positive dreams and, and also drift off to sleep easier. So that's my little um, tip on that. And it works if you do it properly. Yeah. Like all this stuff helps, right? Um, yeah. So I think we did enough. We can do more of these in the future. What matters is that we get results for the audience and that their lives improve, I believe. You've learned a shitload about sleep. You know about longevity.vc website. You know about sensends.org website. Um, you know, both of these places you could throw money and to some degree, perhaps your life will be longer because they figured stuff out that turned into science that helped you, hopefully. Um, if you want to make 10,000 X gains, possibly, well, um, hex.win or pumpamentals.com if you want a 10% bonus. Uh, what else? You can free claim if you have Bitcoin, they're free. Uh, if you want to transform Ethereum into Hex, you can do that as well for the next 330 days about, I think, maybe less, maybe like 326 days or something like that. 
Um, what else? Yeah, go read t.me forward slash scivive. Um, if you want to talk about or hear about crypto price, t.me forward slash Richard Calls. If you want to follow me on Twitter with the 50K other people on there, it's uh, t- twitter.com forward slash Richard Hart win, uh, youtube.com forward slash Richard Hart. And then I've got like 20 other channels. <laughs> like I've got 20 channels on Telegram for like everything imaginable. Um, what about your stuff, I'm on, Brent? I'm on your I'm on your sci-fi uh, sci-vive channel or group. Mm-hmm. You call it a group, right? Or is that a channel? It's a group. Channels are yeah. just broadcast only. Groups are bidirectional. Right. I'm in that group. It's about 1,300 people. I don't comment much, but I read every single thing in there. Sometimes I'll go a couple of days without, and it's like uh, like 800 messages. But I read through them, and it's really good information. You've created a really good community there, so I highly recommend people do that. Um, Richard, can I just reel off a few other, other things real, real, yeah. real quick? Yeah. Back to the action items, things you can do. So we mentioned sleep first. We mentioned intermittent fasting, calorie restriction. Obviously, food, everybody has their own opinions on food. I think that the microbiome is really important. And I've been using a company called Viome, V-I-O-M-E, since March. My wife and I have. I got it for my parents, or my mother and mother-in-law. Would it... Think about it like this. Your body's about 38 trillion cells is what your body's made up of. It's different for everybody, but go with me that it's about that. It's estimated that your microbiome is about 100 trillion cells, so way more, that are not human. These are not human cells. So long story short, they're having epigenetic effects on your cells. So eating a diet that's specific for you based off your microbiome is beneficial. Now, whether Viome has actually done that properly or not, I don't know. I've been, I pooped in a little thing that they gave me for, I think it's 150 bucks now. They keep lowering the price. I paid 200 for it in March, but you poop in little little vial, they use their machine learning, their algorithms, they send you back in a few weeks um, what they recommend foods you eat and avoid. I've been doing it since March. It has, I think it's improved my health. There's obviously no way I can know for sure. I just want people to check it out. But just remember, microbiome is something that's really important for health and something that we're just in the infancy of finding out, I think. That's my opinion. Um, So that's kind of like food. And then when it comes to exercise, obviously, I don't think I need to talk about that much. We've already mentioned it, but it is really important. So have fun. Play sports you enjoy. Get out and walk every single day. Get out and get sunlight. Just be active. Think positive, be an optimist. Like I have so much information that can make me a cynic. You know, there are parts of my brain and personality where I'm super cynical. I mean, I am trying to make YouTube videos about longevity. So, I mean, that's really difficult to do and get people interested in. So I get it, but you just have to say positive because it shows that people who live the longest centenarians and super centenarians, they are optimists and the placebo effect is fucking powerful. So just stay optimistic, do whatever you gotta do. It's okay to be in a bad mood for a few minutes, a few days, your mom died. It's okay to mourn for a few days, weeks or months, but you gotta snap out of it eventually. Like we need productive people to do productive things. Um, so be an optimist. And then I'd say after that, that those are the main things. There's other things too, but I, I didn't wanna end the webcast without those few things there. Yeah, do, look, there's a whole branch of, literature called personal development and uh you know if you read the top tier books in the space you're gonna have a better life you know if you read how to win win friends and influence people or tony robbins stuff or a lot of other people's stuff you're gonna have a better life 
So here's you heard some tips on how to have a better life here. And, you know, I wrote two books, really. And really, they're like eight books worth of words. <laughs> so, like, there's no amount. You could, you could vastly improve your life in a whole shitload of ways if you cared to. And you should care to. So do it. How can people find you, Brent? Um, so I'm on Facebook, as I mentioned, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. They're all just Brent Nally. My Instagram is Brent.nally. It's N-A-L-L-Y. My YouTube is just Brent Nally. Facebook's Brent Nally. And Twitter's at Brent Nally. Right. I have Patreon as well. It's pathetic. So if anybody wants to give constructive criticism on how I can improve my Patreon. What's pathetic about it? Having it or how much money's coming in? Uh not having it how much right. money is coming in is pathetic and what it how looks much you like getting? Uh, I think I have if it's public. I, think I think I've gotten like six dollars in donations I think god damn I actually don't know that I never <laughs> talk about it so this pathetic. is god damn no I know because I never talk about it Ooh. I put it I put all my social media in the link at the bottom of all my YouTube videos but this is literally the first time I've ever brought it up because mm. I'm normally interviewing like longevity experts and it's weird i don't plug myself i hope i, I hope that everything. someone gives you more than six goddamn dollars i hope it is pathetic i put all of like 15 minutes like setting it up i was just yeah. like all right i need to do patreon everybody Look, man of what use is a newborn baby eventually the shit could turn good so you know stick right, with it right so also i'll give you my email it's just brent at gmail.com so right. um please keep the comments and uh anything questions constructive i'm here to try and make the world a better place and i'm fucking trying my ass off i quit my high paying job in enterprise sales at linkedin microsoft you know to do this stuff full time i was making good money you know and i'm i'm working on this and i got a five week old baby i got a baby to feed i can't do this forever if i don't get you yep. know um, and I'm a cryptocurrency investor, so yep. we didn't even talk about that, but I've been wrecked like other people because I've held. I believe in yep. it, you know, so I've been wrecked there too. It works but, It works out in the long term, usually, if you're holding a good thing. So, yep. I mean, Bitcoin's yep. never stayed down for more than three years, and we're yep. down for two years now, so. I'm thinking long term, I'm staying optimistic, but I have no crystal ball just like yep. nobody else does. We have yep. to create the reality we want to see. You I agree know? with you, 100%. I've enjoyed the talk. And we should do this again sometime um, because there ain't that many things better than crypto and longevity is. Longevity is better than crypto. Crypto will not save your fucking life. Longevity research could, right? So let's do the good things. And this this is really the best thing. It's just harder, you know. It's it's harder to see progress. It's harder to, to know what's working. The time frames are longer, you know. it's This is a harder challenge, which is why I didn't, keep going in 2006 it was like fuck this is hard well now i'm gonna go again i'm gonna try it again because it's worth it you know and as you said i mean look it's obviously able to be done because peter Thiel got on board and google got on board and human longevity inc got on board and larry yellison got on board and sergey brand and larry page got on board and there's a lot of smart motherfuckers getting on board now so maybe the culture has changed and we can onboard a lot of other billionaires and great minds into the space. And I think it's the best, the best progress we've ever had in the space is today. So that's exciting. Richard, before, before we sign off, can mm -hmm. we touch upon a few of those things like very briefly rapid sure. fire with those billionaires? So, um, 
So when I was at LinkedIn Learning, uh, I got Calico as my account, and I was so excited. It would, like I sold them and made shit amount of money compared to the time I went into. But I got to go into Calico. For those that don't know, that's the basically longevity branch of Alphabet. And I met with which the HR Google team, for which you is guys. Google. Yeah, correct. And uh, unfortunately, they're very secretive about what they do. It's been, I think, about five years since they were created, and I'm seeing about nothing come out of there. And Richard, I know you watched my interview with Aubrey. I brought it up with him in July, and it's just essentially a dumpster fire until they share information. They're just not doing anything relevant that they're sharing with the public. Um, regarding Larry Ellison, he has been very interested. Larry Ellison, so people know, one of the wealthiest people on the planet, founder of Oracle, worth maybe 60-something billion dollars today. Um, he has been very interested in longevity research for many years. He's had his own secret, like not really that secret, but he's had his own company, the Larry Ellison Foundation, I think is what he's called it. But he since like even shut down the whole website that he had up for years. Um, but he has been interested in this for many years. Um, when it goes to Jeff Bezos, he donated $100 million, I believe it was last year, to a longevity-focused company. They're focusing on senescence, uh, cellular senescence. Um, and then Warren Buffett, this is exciting. Peter Atia, A-T-T-I-A, he is a uh, longevity doctor. He runs an anti-aging practice in New York. He does a lot of podcasts. There's sure many people watching right now who know who he is. Um, he said, I heard him say this a little over a year ago in a YouTube video. He said that one of his uh, patients is in his upper 80s. He's been friends with Warren Buffett for decades. And he said he'd see Warren Buffett about every six months for the last, like literally multiple decades. And every six months, Warren would have a new investment opportunity or business that he'd be excited about that he'd tell his friend about. Well, he said in the past couple of years, Warren Buffett, when he sees him every six months, he hasn't mentioned any business at all. He's mentioned the longevity research he's doing. That's Warren great. Buffett is 89 years old today and he's worth like $88 billion. So it just takes one of these unicorns to get interested in this stuff and make an investment that could change things and speed this up. And I'll end on this. We need to mention this, the Chan Zuckerberg Institute. Whatever you think about Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, put that guy aside. What he has done is he has created the Chan Zuckerberg Institute with his, I think it's called the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, actually. He's created this with his wife, Priscilla Zuckerberg, who's a medical doctor. And he's donated at least $8 billion of Facebook stock. And I think it's 11 billion now to this initiative they have hundreds of employees now, and their goal is to cure um, all diseases by the year 2100, about 80 years from now. And so they don't really say the language like uh, we're trying to cure human aging, like I flat out say and like we're talking about, but that's basically what they're trying to do. And they're trying to do it, I think, in a more open source way where they're trying to figure out what are the best projects and scientists to research and then they just fund them. They're not even, they're saying they're not even gonna come in and try and acquire them. They're not a company, they're a 501c3 nonprofit. So to me, like this is exciting and any way that people can infiltrate them and get and get those um, folks interested in the type of longevity science uh, is I think a positive for all of us. So I, I just wanted to end on that with kind of the billionaires getting more interested in this uh, science. Right, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, now's the best time it's ever been so if if you're gonna make a new youtube channel and you're gonna do something with your 
time researching, or you're in school and you want to choose a profession, fix the meat, fix the people, work on biology. It's the most important thing in the world. It's the most important thing in the universe, actually. So then we can harness those, you know, decades of stored energy and people that have accrued massive amounts of wealth and deploy them to superior projects. You know, if you're a billionaire and you put all your money in the bank, it is getting used. It is getting deployed. You're just not having any say in it. So it's better that you have some say in it and put it towards the right things. And then the world can be a better place because if you, if you just let people that take those loans out against your money, do whatever they want with it, they could do stupid things or things that make the world a worse place. Hey, I'm going to do some research on how to get some more kids addicted to gambling and games that have no narrative end and just consume all their consciousness and then they can be destroyed mentally. What a horrible thing that that industry exists. Um, so I guess that's it. I think we did it. We can do this again sometime. I like how you warned me at the beginning, the sun would go down and then you would look like uh, I like turned a into like midnight Darth stream. Yeah, I just <laughs> right at the end. Yeah. yeah it's uh, 437 here in California. Right. So it's the sun's starting to go down for sure. All right. uh, Brent, it was good talking to you, man. Everybody. Hope you learned something. You as well, Richard. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, thank you so much. My pleasure. Ciao, man.